Thank you much, Jenna. I appreciate it. Hi, everybody. My name is Matthew Morris, and I'm a, a senior manager at KPMG in the Tax Controversy Services Group. And uh, prior to joining uh, KPMG, I was a tax partner at Bowditch and Dewey in Framingham. Um, my focus is mainly on federal, state, and international tax controversies. And uh, I'm also a part-time instructor of state and local tax at North, Northeastern University. And I serve on the tax section steering committee of the BBA. And I, I serve on the steering committee with uh, David Young and, and Mariana Beecher, who I'm going to introduce as well. So uh, I'm sharing my screen right now, so hopefully you can see all the uh, bios. Let's zoom out a little bit. So uh, first I want to introduce uh, David Young. I've known David for many years. He's uh, uh, he just joined as a CFO and general counsel of Kinsta Inc. Uh, and I'll let him talk more about that, but it's a, a word host hosting provider, WordPress hosting provider. Uh, David has experienced founding and running international tax consulting practice. He's worked in major accounting and law firms, worked in-house at a large multinational, and also uh, ran a very successful small business, uh, international tax consulting business. Uh, David uh, teaches at Northeastern University as well, as an adjunct professor of uh, tax, and he served on the steering committees of different professional organizations, including the BBA. And he served as a mentor and volunteers with different organizations supporting entrepreneurship and assisting with individual tax controversies. Uh, Dee Barton, she's an associate at Blaze Halpert Tax Partners, which is a boutique transactional tax firm in Boston. And prior to joining Blaze Halford, Dee was a senior associate at KPMG's International Tax Group in Boston. And Dee focuses on transactional tax. She advises both domestic and international matters for corporations, partnerships, trusts, and individuals. And she frequently serves as tax co-counsel. And she assists corporate attorneys with the planning and negotiation of their client deals. And uh, she serves as a volunteer tax preparer for the IRS's uh, VITA program and this eligible individuals with the preparation of tax returns. And she's an alumna of the BU's LLM program in tax. Um, and Mariano, uh, Mariano and I worked uh, briefly together at KPMG, uh, the tax, tax controversy group. Uh, he's a trial attorney at the IRS's Small Business Self-Employed uh, Chief Counsel Field Division in Boston. And prior to joining IRS counsel, Mariano was an, an associate uh, with me at the KPMG tax controversy group. Mariano focused on uh, tax court litigation, IRS collection matters, bankruptcy matters with the IRS's creditor, and advising the Justice Department on tax refund litigation in district courts. Mariano also serves as the counsel's liaison to the BBA tax section steering committee. So that's it as far as sort of the formal uh, introduction. Uh, last year we had a very, it was uh, David and Dee and I, and we had a much smaller, uh, smaller group and I guess we have uh, 58 registrants today, which is amazing. So I'm really, uh, really happy to have that, that many people join. And uh, I want to encourage as much, um, as many questions from the audience as possible. It's a little bit more difficult in a, a Zoom format, you know, to answer questions on a, on a sort of rolling basis. But uh, I do want to try to get as much participation from the audience as possible. So we encourage you to use the uh, Q&A function um, so ask, ask questions through Q&A and we will uh, make sure to, to answer them as they come up. So the 
purpose of the pan panel, what is sort of the, the original idea was to give some guidance to folks who are considering either transition uh, to, to tax law, uh, you know, from a different area of law, or folks who are just starting out in, in their careers and sort of deciding, you know, whether to choose tax as a, as a viable option. And uh, for me, I think it would be helpful to talk through each of our experiences, you know, choosing tax law as a profession and, you know, how, how each of us got started. So David, if you wouldn't mind kind of talking about your experience starting out in tax law and what sort of motivated you to choose tax as a, as a career choice. Sure, happy to do it. And thanks for pulling this together. Um, so I, um, I, my first job in tax was with Ernst & Young. Um, and I started that um, after law school, but I'll back up a little bit and talk about how I first got interested in tax as a career. <clears throat> and it was um, in undergrad. So I was an accounting major in college um, and I took a tax class my first tax class. And uh, it was at a point where I had signed up for accounting thinking I want to do something business related. And that was the closest thing I could find at the school I was at. Um, but then I took a tax class and was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, and I think it has to do with the fact that um, one, tax is complicated. Um, and two, it, it's kind of, for me, it's like a puzzle. There's kind of like a search for the right answer and piecing things together from the code and from the regs and fact, applying that to facts and um, so I, I think the first tax class I took, um, from that point on, I knew I wanted to do tax. Um, I, you know, I was always good with math and numbers and that sort of stuff. And so, um, it kind of fit from that perspective, but it was more the puzzle aspect of things that I really liked. The fact that it was complicated and you really had to figure things out. Um, I really enjoy that. Um, and so I, I took as many tax classes as I could in undergrad. Uh, but when I graduated, which was a long time ago, um, it wasn't a great market for um, accounting um, graduates, uh, particularly the school that I went to, which was a, a relatively small school that didn't have a business school associated with it. Um, and so um, at the time, my sister was in law school. And so I was talking to her a little bit and I realized, well, if I want to pursue tax law, a law degree would certainly help. Um, or, or it's an option, at least, you don't have to have a law degree to get involved in tax. But I, it was it was another way to sort of beef up my, my resume. And so I applied to law school, um, took every tax class I could in law school. Um, and while my GPA in law school wasn't top 10, it, my, I got an A in every tax class that I took. Um, so that's got to tell you something <laughs> about what, what I was interested in, right? Um, and I, I um, again, when I was getting ready to graduate from, from law school, the market wasn't great for lawyers either. And so I decided to get an LLM in tax. So I, I went straight through, um, got an LLM, um, and always knew I wanted to do tax, but it was still tough finding a job. Um, and it, so much so that I was, while I was in law school, I ended up waiting tables to try and make some money. Um, but I found a job, a temporary job, interestingly, with KPMG. Um, doing expatriate tax returns just during a busy season. Um, and that was my first entree into tax. I, I didn't really want to do expat tax returns. I wanted to do corporate M&A type stuff. Um, but it was an opportunity for me to get in and get some experience at a big four. I wasn't actually working for the big four. I was working for a temp agency, but it got me in the door. And that, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that was sort of the first thing that got me some experience. Um, and I was able to leverage that, and I'm happy to expand on that later if people are interested, leverage that one role into my career in the tax. Um, but I'm going to stop there and give other people a chance to talk a little bit about how they found tax. 
That's great, David. Thank you. Dee, what about your experience? What was your sort of motivating factor? What were some of the circumstances that led you to choose tech? Um, so when I when I went to law school, I really thought that I was going to be doing healthcare law because I had um, I had gone to undergraduate and done a liberal arts degree, and then I spent a couple years working for Dartmouth Medical School doing FDA compliance work. So I, when I went to law school, I thought I would just do more FDA compliance work at a higher level. But then I found that I really didn't enjoy healthcare law once I actually started studying it, uh, and I was interested in exploring areas that had good demand for lawyers because, again, the job market was a little bit iffy while I was in law school. So I was interested in taking some classes in areas that had decent demand and a clear career path and seeing if any of them really appealed to me. So when I started taking tax classes, I had already spent one summer at a trust and estate firm up in Vermont where I grew up. Um, and there had been some tax questions that came up during that internship that I thought were really interesting. And then in my first classes, I just, I found it really interesting. I was a logic minor in undergrad, which is a dual degree between philosophy and math, and does a lot of um, proofs, or uh, I'm getting a notice that you can't hear me really well. Is that true? I'm just, there's some static, I think, and I was wondering if maybe you had earbuds, you might be able to, uh, it might be a little clearer, but it's not too, we can still hear you. Just. Maybe if you have if you have that as an option. Um, I can if I just step up for a minute. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll maybe finish this, this yeah. question. I'll just finish okay. it. Okay. This question. So um, I took my first classes in law school. They reminded me of my logic classes in undergrad, which I really enjoyed. As David said, it's sort of a puzzle. It's a little bit like doing geometry proofs in certain ways where you're looking for the rules and trying to put together an answer. Um, and it appealed to me. So I actually did a dual degree at BU, and I did my JD and LLM combined in three years. So I didn't have to go for an extra year of law school, which obviously saved me time and money, but was a great deal of work. Um, so I can recommend it for either there uh, if you're a law student and you're thinking about it They offer them now at BU and Suffolk in Boston the dual degrees within three years It is a lot of work, but it saves you a lot of time and money and you come out pretty competitive So I think that that was good and then I got my first job at KPMG in the international tax group because they did a little bit of on-campus interviewing at, uh, at the U. David, were you at that first interview? I think it was actually just Jay, maybe. Um, no, I was, I was at um, that same interview, too. Yeah. So uh, David and Jay, who he worked with, came to the BU campus, and I interviewed with them. I, really, I was really interested in what they were doing, and their team seemed really great. So. I spent three and a half years at KPMG and just switched a bit over a year ago to a law firm environment, um, which is, it's a very small firm, but all we do is taxes, and um, I've generally been quite happy with my choice. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Dee. Appreciate it. Mariano, what about your experience? Tell us uh, what kind of prompted you to choose uh, tax as a you know, the profession coming out of law school and tech program. Sure. So going into law school, my friend told me, you know, you, 
I had the benefit of having a few years after undergraduate to kind of see what I wanted to do. I worked for four years after undergraduate and then I kind of look at what other people were doing and tax just seemed like a very, I don't want to say a sexy uh, alternative to what I was doing at the time, which was um, borderline like real estate development stuff. So I went to law school with the full intention of doing tax just because my friend had been kind of introducing me to the work he was doing. It was a lot of M&A. It was a lot of international work, um, you have trust in estates. And it was really just great to, to see all the various kind of fields within tax itself that you can kind of dabble in um, if you kind of make up your mind. So as I was going to law school, um, I, while other people were kind of dabbling in different things, I was taking every tax class I could take and just found everything so interesting and how, how just like the, the policy and the nitty gritty kind of mesh together and kind of shape the world we live in. And in a lot of ways, a lot of people see various impacts and the various changes to society that occur as a result of different tax laws being enacted. And it just seemed like the real, a real down floor of kind of how everything works. Um, and that turned out to be a great decision. Went to University of Maryland in Baltimore, and I interned at the IRS's um, headquarters down in DC for a semester. I did an estate planning um, internship one summer, and then my second summer, I did uh, Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, which was a great place to learn for a summer about how to stand up in front of a court and kind of, you know, get familiar with that. Um, aspect of it. After I graduated law school in Baltimore, I immediately returned to Boston without a job in hand, without any offers. Um, and I was pretty, you know, I was a little anxious. So um, that summer going in, uh, leaving law school, I made it a focus of mine to be as, to network as much as possible. And I, I worked a part-time, you know, uh, catering job i was you know taking trays to people They're like i thought you went to law school like what are you doing here i'm like well well you know i'm taking the bar you know still looking for that first job and actually it was the weekend before the bar um went to a wedding um and people were like what are you doing here you should be studying for the bar somewhere i'm like listen i can only take so much of the bar prep and actually it was at that wedding where i spoke to a couple of uh, acquaintances who put me on to a job opening at KPMG. Actually, it was just a mutual um, introduction to a person who worked at KPMG's um, small, I mean, state and local tax division. So I talked to her. Um, she, and, I, and prior to this, I had very little, uh, I guess, understanding or uh, awareness of what the big four accounting firms did, or I didn't have any kind of experience in it. Um, but it was perfect because it was tax controversy. And this is where Matt works now. Um, and I thought, well, wow, I have this IRS experience. Um, you know, I have that going for me. And there had just been, a, I think, a position that opened up. So I went in and interviewed and it wound up going well. Um, and then I got the job that summer or that fall rather. And that just turned into a, a really good um, opportunity to get my feet wet, get really get the ball rolling and um, haven't looked back since. Um, so it was 
a little bit of um, luck, a little bit of hard work, and a little bit of, you know, just things lining up at the right time. Um, so I have a serious intention of going into big four accounting. So um, I saw the um, opportunity immediately and saw it for what it was. And I recently just left um, when Matt joined the group, unfortunately. Um, so uh, now I work at IRS, IRS Chief Counsel in Boston and doing, using a lot of the skills I learned at KPMG really helped my writing a lot, um, my advocacy. Now I'm able to apply that in a trial setting, um, which I had a little bit of a experience in with the DA's office. So it's just kind of like build experience in the, in the areas that you want to apply to your career later. And that allows you to showcase, you know, you have this interest, you have these abilities, you have, um, you know, a little bit of that background knowledge where you can kind of pick up the, the bigger picture and use that to, um, you know, apply that to the more detailed um, aspects of tax law, even though you may not know exactly what you want yet. Um, so I would just suggest, you know, being open to anything and kind of stay networking as much as possible because um, that was a big benefit. Mariano, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I really like that advice, you know, staying, staying open, you know, being, being open to as many opportunities as possible uh, within, with, you know, within the field. There's so, tax is such a broad field. I mean, I think that when I was in law school, it seemed so narrow. I mean, it seemed like there were, you know, that it was such a niche, but, you know, now that I'm in the practice, I realize how, you know, how broad it is. I mean, there's, you know, from, you know, the difference between estate planning and, uh, you know, M&A, for example, I mean, it's, it couldn't be any, any more different. And, uh, you know, for me, the choice is very uh, sort of a practical one. I sort of meant to to be a, an estate planner. That was my original goal for sort of enro enrolling in the graduate tax program at BU. I wanted to be a, a estate planner in Boston. Uh, but the job market was so brutal. This is uh, 2000, I enrolled in 2008 and graduated in 2009. It's like really the worst, you know, the worst job market. And I knew when I was at the tax program that I needed to keep my options as open as possible. So instead of focusing primarily on estate planning. I took some advanced estate planning courses, but my main goal was to try to keep myself as marketable as possible. And that meant for me, you know, taking uh, international tax, taking corporate tax, um, you know, bankruptcies and workouts. I tried to take as many different classes within the tax program as possible. Uh, you know, for those considering a tax career uh, in the Northeast, I mean, just a plug for the BU uh, tax program. It's really an amazing, uh, amazing program. They do a great job of just providing all the tools you really need to come sort of come out firing. And it's extremely marketable in Boston, you know, uh, despite the job market, the fact that I was sort of graduating from the LM program uh, opened doors for me. Um, the door that opened was actually a uh, sort of uh, senior sort of attorney from uh, the Boston area was just auditing a partnership tax class and he was sitting in my partnership tax uh, course. And I knew that he was uh, looking for some help at his firm. I just saw some postings for um, essentially like an intern type position. 
and uh, I just kept talking with him and asking him about the position and eventually he, he took me on and I was making you know like eight dollars an hour as like a intern and it just started from there like it was basically you know a week at like eight dollars an hour and then he boosted me to 15 and then it was like just got me on a salary things just gradually improved and you know to the point where I was making a comfortable living for myself so I mean just the point of that story is really just to talk about the importance of persistence and their individual contacts and connections are so important. Um, and if you, you know, if you know someone who's in a position to hire and, and, and you're looking, you know, to work with that person, there's no, there's no real harm in being persistent and just putting yourself out there. Um, it takes some humility, but um, you know, it, it, it was effective, at least in my case it was, and that he, you know, he, got started the name of that so it was uh, Morris Robinson of the person first first hired me he passed away recently but he was a great mentor to me and um, you know gave me my start so all of us actually so uh, this really wasn't necessarily by design but all of us have sort of big four experiences specifically experience working at uh, KPMG and I'd like to keep this as broad as possible but I mean I don't know about about what you guys think, but I mean, for me, the, the difference between working in a big, big four environment and working in private practice is sort of like night and day. So I wanted, to, I wanted to sort of uh, pull the the panel and see and see what you what you guys think about the experience working at a big four firm and what some of the challenges are and, and how you got, you know, what what was it like for you, uh, Mariana? Why don't why don't you let us know what your what your experience is like? Sure. Um, so I have experience on the government side with IRS and then with KPMG um, for about almost three years. And just the pace is the biggest thing that I found. Obviously, government is a big battleship and it moves slowly. And um, KPMG is very fast, very, um, you know, high pressure at times. And things just need to be, I, I would like, you know, they're both very detail oriented jobs, but you know, when you have to worry about billable hours as opposed to government work, which does not focus on billable hours, it's just a completely different mindset. Um, so where KPMG is kind of like a, it's like a, a fighter pilot, a fighter jet, right? And then the government's like a battleship, which is slow moving, but you know, carries a lot of weight. You need to be much more, I guess, flexible and nimble at the, at a big four place, at least in my experience. And uh, that really hard, I feel like it really sharpens your game though. I mean, you need that kind of pressure sometimes, um, get better, you know, progress. You have, you're much more likely to, um, you know, receive, constant consistent feedback and accounting situations I feel like um, which is only going to help you if you are um, open to receiving that kind of feedback it's all, all in your best interest um, so I would say um, if you're going into big four outing you know have uh, you have to work really hard you have to um, be able to accept feedback and kind of and with the government side it's just a completely different animal it's um, you you have a lot of discretion. You, you have to deal with 
people who are doing the government and um, you have the advantage of being on, being on the government side, uh, which I can't really complain about. Um, so it's a, it's a completely different perspective. Um, and you, it's a lot of, um, a lot more legal work actually, because don't forget at KPMG, you're not actually practicing law. Um, you're, you're kind of consulting, you're providing advice, you're doing a lot of things with a much more business focused, a business and you have a lot of different considerations besides tax itself that you have to learn and become familiar with. So I would say KPMG, big four business type settings are great because you get a broad perspective about business considerations, not necessarily um, just focus on tax, but you learn a lot about how these big corporations, these companies work. And that's, I think, invaluable um, in, in and of itself. But now as I keep, I'm getting my feet wet in government, you have to deal with things like privilege. You have to deal with things like, um, you know, disclosure rules and um, evidence, trial evidence and things like that. So it's just a, a completely, it's a little bit different, but I've been lucky enough to stay in, in the general realm of controversy, which is um, kind of a, a niche in itself and just the more experience you have the more valuable you are so just putting in the time putting in the work you just learn and learn and learn and then um, eventually you're you know sitting on a panel like this telling other people how to kind of fall do the same things so um, I would just say whichever it is you just be nimble be adaptive and kind of take it on you can't really do it half halfway so just pursue it with vigor and then um, things should open up that's great mariano thank you either a question came in about sort of your experience transitioning from kpmg to uh to a, to a private uh, law firm but i guess uh, before we get there maybe you can talk a little bit about you know your experience coming into kpmg from the tax you know from the tax program and and what your overall impression was working at kpmg so I came straight out of the JDLOM um, into the international tax team at KPMG. And because I did do on-campus uh, interviews, I received my job offer about a year before I started. So um, I knew where I was going after the bar exam and then just arrived and got started. I think my experience at KPMG is number one, it is sort of a big corporate environment, which has you know, its challenges and its benefits. One of the great benefits was there's a lot of structure. So they were saying, uh, Mariana was talking about feedback and um, sort of the pressure to get things done and the billable hours. But it was, a, in a lot of ways, it was a great place to start my career because there is a very clear sort of progression of associate, senior associate, manager, senior manager, and how long it should take you to get to each level. And they have actually a very, very long list of all the things, all the skills you're supposed to have at each level. So the expectations on, in that sense are very clear. They're high, but they're clear. Um, and I did find that it was easy both to have my, my actual supervisor, it was easy to create sort of informal mentorship relationships with the managers that I was working with so that I was getting information on how they approach different projects and how to manage my time and 
they were available as resources if I was having trouble with, you know, a, a personality either internally or externally and could sort of sit down and have a private coffee with someone and say, well, I'm not sure how to respond to this. What do you think? Um, so that was really great as a very young professional and a young lawyer. Um, I think some of the challenges I had at KPMG are, again, you're not practicing law. So the most legal tax technical work we were doing was advising and consulting, where we're sort of looking up the laws, coming up with structures, explaining the laws to clients. And then there was a lot of work we did that I didn't, I had to learn on the job, sort of reviewing tax returns. In an LLM program, you don't really go through tax forms at all. And unless you take tax accounting for one semester, you don't really go through accounting at all. GAP, IFRS, provision, all of that is sort of the lifeblood of an accounting firm. So if you're, if you have an attorney's training and then you go into an accounting firm, you just get thrown in the deep end on that stuff. Um, and I think in a group like international tax, that goes both ways. I've heard the same from the accountants, the young accountants in international tax as well. There's all this legal stuff and, I just want to do the accounting, um, which is international tax is a really, really fascinating place to start out because it is quite complex. And um, I did find that. So the reason why I made the switch was after the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, as it's colloquially called, passed in the end of 2017, the whole tax profession had to respond very quickly. And at a place like KPMG, they're keeping up with it the whole way. So there's a group in Washington who's watching the legislation go through the House, go through the Senate, every edit, someone down in Washington has commented on it and is sending out all of their notes internally so that we can be advising our clients in real time as to what our expectations are. I found that after, after the legislation passed, what I was doing at that point as a senior associate day-to-day -day became more and more numerical and Excel-based. So I was doing less consulting than I had ever been doing and more than ever looking at people's calculations under, for example, guilty or transition tax, where they'd say, I've calculated my company's transition tax. Can you look through this and make sure that this calculation is correct? So we'd, be look we'd still be reading the law but we're reading it to make sure that the math is being done correctly, which I, I learned a lot from doing that. And I'm now sort of, it does give me a niche expertise now in my law firm setting that we no longer have to say, oh, we just don't, we don't ever do those sorts of calculations because I can actually do them. I actually can put together samples of how we think the numbers will work out in different scenarios. And that's very useful, but it's not what I was trained in originally. And because so much of my time had been switched to this sort of numerical work, I was just a little bit concerned that early on in my career I was getting training that was really going to stick me in a corner where I, I didn't have flexibility to do other types of things because so much of my experience had been in this one area. So I had my eye out for any opportunities that might come up to switch to a law firm. And I did find that it was a little bit hard to get law firms' attention starting out in accounting. Um, and I think that if I had waited longer than senior associate, it would have been even harder to get them to even really look at my, my resume. 
So I would say that if you're thinking about switching, I would be clear on your reasons why, be clear about your expectations for what you think will be different about a law firm, and then try not to wait too long. And for me, switching into the opportunity that I ended up receiving was to go to this boutique tax firm where the fact that I had a really steep learning curve in certain aspects of lawyering that um, a transactional lawyer who had started at a law firm would by their fourth year already know very well. The fact that they had to train me in, for example, reading and marking up contracts was okay with them because the tax technical expertise was so valuable. And having started international tax, that also had a certain value because international tax is very hard. So it's easy for me to sort of come up with the narrative, well, I've learned the hard stuff first. So all you have to teach me is the easier part because I already understand subpart F and guilty. And uh, by analogy, I can understand state apportionment. And now I just have to memorize sort of the most common M&A structures, which you can teach me and are a little bit easier. Um, a little bit. Um, and also how to sort of read through a contract and be a part of the negotiation team, which is something that we do at our firm, is we work as tax co-counsel with small corporate boutiques that don't really have any in-house tax expertise. So their corporate lawyer will mark up a contract and send it to us. We'll read through all of the tax provisions, the economic provisions, make suggested changes, comments. Um, We'll talk with the corporate lawyers about structure or any parts of the plan that we think raise any red flags or would be especially costly from a tax perspective and sort of assist our clients in that way. And that's very different from what I was doing at accounting. Um, I definitely like it, but it was, it was again, being thrown in the deep end. <laughs> it's just sort of like people give you contracts. Um, maybe they give you some red lines of contracts they've looked at previously and you compare them and, and sort of learn as you go. Uh, it's much more text-based work than the numbers-based work that I ended up doing um, at KPMG, and I never look at tax returns hardly ever anymore. When they do come through, it's nice that I know how they work. I have to say, there's this is an area where having some breadth of knowledge into how accounting works and how to finance works and how business works and what a tax form looks like only helps you in the end because if you're a tax attorney who all you can do is look at the code and explain it and you can't use Excel and you can't read a tax form or the instructions to a tax form or you can't read a financial statement, that's going to be a pretty big problem. So while both jobs required me to sort of learn on the job and have a learning curve, in the end, I think it's only made me more marketable and a better a better, more well-rounded tax lawyer. So it's, it's definitely a little bit of a challenge to switch from accounting to a law firm. But if it's what you want to do, if you want to do contracts and negotiation, or if you want to do controversy and you're not doing controversy in an accounting setting, it's worth it. You just have to be ready to go a little bit like a uh, you know, a first or second year. You know, I was I was definitely a fourth year in terms of tax technical expertise, and then in terms of contract negotiations, I was a baby attorney. So you have to you have to be willing to 
be humble and take a step back in order to learn both paths. But for me, I think it's been worth it. That's such a great point, Dee, about the, you know, sort of being able to shift between sort of the, you know, the big picture for the macro and the micro. Like that's such an important balance, I think, in tax, because ultimately at the end of the day, what people are looking for is clients are looking for advice. I mean, it's basically they have a particular problem and they need a solution, but to get that, so, so that's a, sort of a macro picture and also having, you know, empathy and ability to communicate with your client and understand what the objectives are. That's such an important skill, but then another aspect of that is, you know, the ability to get into the, the weeds, you know, of the code and the regs and to actually, you know, find the, you know, the, the technical solution. So the ability to kind of move between those two things, I think is really, is really important. So, so David, out of all- And to understand the facts of your client, sorry, just to make the point that being able to read financial statements and being able to read tax returns is critical because it helps you understand your client's facts. Sometimes the client you're working with doesn't even understand their own facts, right? Because they don't understand taxes, they don't necessarily know what you need to know. And so trying to dredge it out of them in an interview can be difficult. Whereas if you can say, can you send me your tax return from last year? Can you send me your quarterly financial statements and your balance sheet from the end of last year? Then you can go through and then you can give them more educated questions. You can get some of the information yourself and you can go back and then actually walk through and say, okay, in your, in your 1040, if it's an individual or your 1120, if it's a corporation, you had this amount of losses, et cetera. And so your specific situation, my advice is specific to what's going on with your company actually, instead of just sort of spouting general rules about how taxes work. Those specifics are very important. So being able to understand them is, is a critical skill that you need to learn. If not from starting in accounting and they'll sort of teach you there, then you need to take a class or something because it's really important. That's so true. But David, I wanted to talk about your experience in, uh, in big four. You, I, I think out of all the panelists, I think you had the most sort of extensive experience. You worked at, I know you worked at EY, Right. And you also, did you work at Anderson? No, no. It's oh, EY, okay. EY and KPMG. EY and KPMG. But so but no. when you left, so when David left KPMG, he was uh, a uh, uh, managing director, uh, Inter international tax group. So that, you know, I just want to uh, let, you know, the, the participants know how, how much of an achievement that is in itself. I mean, and it's extremely hard to get to that uh, level. Um, and so David worked, worked very hard to get there. So I'd be, interested to hear and I think the participants would like to hear your experience working in, in Big Four and um, you know a question came in about flexibility in the Big Four and you know the importance of flexibility and what does that mean exactly does it mean unpredictable hours and you know what was your experience in terms of like the you know the day-to-day -day at UI and, and KPMG? Sure um, I think one of the real benefits of working for a Big Four is Flexibility, and not, that's not really where the question was was going. Uh, I don't think, but um, as I mentioned, my first job was my first tax job was a temporary job doing expat tax returns. But my first real job was at Ernst and Young doing guess what expat tax returns, right? Because I had that experience, I could get the job and get into Ernst and Young, and then was able to to transition into what I really wanted to do after I had done that for a little while and proven myself, um, and so. One of the great things about Big Four is that there's so many options that, you know, 25, 30 different practice areas probably within tax that you could 
um, choose as a path. Um, and very often, if you are good at what you do, uh, the firm's going to want to keep you, and so they're they're going to give you those options. If you if you find that you don't enjoy doing international tax, maybe you want to do state and local tax or something different. You have those sort of options at Big Four, just because they have so many different practices. Um, now, my experience at, at when so I worked at Ernst Young for about six and a half years, doing mostly M and A work, which is what I wanted to do, and that, and that was great. Um, and I was a senior manager when I left. Um, and one of the reasons that I left, as an attorney working at an accounting firm, it I'm gonna caveat a lot of what I'm saying. It really depends on where you're working and the team that you're working with. So, so every big four is not exactly the same and every office within a big four is not exactly the same. So um, it just so happened that the office I was in and the area that I was in at Ernst & Young was led by uh, a CPA who didn't understand why attorneys were working at accounting firms. And that was really not very motivating for me. You know, I was working very hard um, and there would be sort of offhand comments about, well, the attorneys in the audience won't understand this. And it really made it not a fun place to work. Um, now, I worked with a, a partner um, that was a Washington National Tax partner. She and I started the M&A practice for the Mid-Atlantic area at Ernst Young, and I love her. To this day, uh, Mario mentioned, Mariano mentioned networking and connections and stuff. And this connection has been one of the best connections I've ever had. She's been a mentor of mine for my whole career. I love her. But while she was my direct boss, the person that she reported to was somebody that I didn't have a lot of respect for because of the way he treated attorneys. Um, and so ultimately that was what drove me to leave. Um, and I left Ernst Young without a job. I just it wasn't, it wasn't for me anymore. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't continue. I was working very, very long hours because I actually loved the work. I loved the technical aspects. I loved the M&A, but um, I, I just no longer was motivated because I was working ultimately for somebody who didn't understand why attorneys were working at accounting firms, and that, was, that wasn't something I wanted to, to do anymore. So, so I left, um, and when I left, I never thought I would go back to Big Four because I assumed that that's just the way Big Four was. Well, it's not the case. I mean, even the different offense within Ernst Young might have been different. Uh, if you're, you know, work, you have, it, it really depends who the leadership is at the top. Um, and so um, when I went back to Big Four, um, I went to KPMG and absolutely loved it. Um, and I didn't leave KPMG because I didn't like the work. I really, really loved the work there. The people there were great. Um, I was motivated. I had opportunity and it was really, really phenomenal. You're working with some of the smartest tax people in the country um, and it's really a great opportunity. Um, I ultimately left for personal reasons because I wanted to have more flexibility. Um, so getting back to that flexibility, um, as a managing director, um, it's similar to partner. Um, you have revenue goals um, that you are expected to meet every year. And um, for me, I, I'm not a natural salesperson, so that was a challenge for me. I had to actually work really hard, probably harder than most people that that, that sort of stuff comes naturally to. So the partner that I worked with was just very natural. He was also a very hard worker. I'm not trying to say he didn't work hard. It was, but he was just much better at doing sales and, and networking and that sort of stuff than I was. And so um, I had to work extra, extra hard um, to, to do that. And that was just too much. Um, I had a seven-year-old daughter at the time. She's 10 now. Um, and I just wasn't seeing her enough. Um, and so I had, um, you know, been working for, Let's see, I started in 97. I'm now dating myself, right? And I, 
I left in 2017. So I had about 20 years of experience um, in tax. Um, so, and a lot of networks, uh, a lot of networking um, connections. And, and so I just, on top of that, I, I'm sort of a financial independence guy. So I had been saving money a lot to put me in, the, in a good position to be able to take some chances. And so I decided to just, Take the take the take the leap and start my own international tax practice. But again, it wasn't because I didn't love KPMG. It was a great place to work, and if I ever had to go back to, to working for Big Four, I'd be back there in a heartbeat. Um, but it is a lot of hours, uh, particularly if you want to, you know, move to the next level. Um, and so that was part of what motivated motivated me to to start my own practice. Um, I think I'm I'm rambling a little bit, so I'm going to stop there. Uh, that's great, David. Uh, you know, the the thing for me, the biggest difference for me um, is the the complexity, the complexity of the work, the complexity of the cases. Um, you know, this isn't to say that you know the work that I was doing at a law firm was was not complex. It was very complex work, you know, for individuals, small businesses. But you know, the re the reason why I left. Um, you know, a law firm partnership position in a law firm was to sort of open the door to high level corporate and partnership controversies, sort of like the most complex controversies that, you know, that, that people are working on and, and work on it, these controversies with a group that was uh, highly capable with a huge support team. You know, David mentioned the Washington National Tax Group and those folks, those folks at KPMG and I think at every uh, big four, uh, company have, you know, incredible, they offer incredible support. I mean, the, the level of understanding of the regulations and the private letter rulings and the, the specific procedures and these details that I really would never have occurred to me if I'm just trying to work this, you know, these things out on my own. That's the thing about working in a law firm. I mean, if you're in a small, I mean, unless you're in a large corporate law firm, uh, Typically, these groups are fairly small, even if you do have a tax department in the law firm. Uh, the groups are relatively small, so there really isn't uh, you know, enough work or enough resources to sort of delegate an entire you know, practice area to one, to one person. But that's, that is kind of how it's done at the big, the big four. There are specific you know, partners in the Washington National Tax Group who focus on one, you know, one specific you know, area of the code, you know, the partnership pass-throughs, you know, only do pass-through work. That, that type of support, I've never had that type of support ever. Uh, so that's, that's been incredible. Um, and, and the complexity, like working on a transfer pricing case, like if you're working with small businesses and par local partnerships, you're never going to encounter, at least I never did, I never encountered any kind of transfer pricing question ever. But now, you know, I've done you know, three transfer pricing controversies since I've, since I've been at KPMG. So in that way, in terms of the complexity of work, it's, it's like night and day. Um, the, I will tell you that I, in my experience, I think the, the technical skill set, like the, the, the skills that you have to have in terms of, you know, ability to, to read, understand the code and the, and the regs and, and you know, having background and, you know, Westlaw research and knowing how to look up administrative uh, guidance, These, those, are, those are tools that will help everywhere and that, that are necessary, I think, in a law firm just as much as, as in the big four. You know, I was able to sort of bring all those skills into the big four and I think they've been, they've been appreciated. 
So I don't think in terms of the technical expertise, it's, it's much, it is very much different. I think they're, I think they're very similar. I think, you know, people have mentioned the pace, the pace of the work, the cases that are coming in, the questions that are coming in on a daily basis, they're requiring, you know, almost instant turnaround. And if there's like a couple of hour delay, you'll get a sort of follow-up email and it's like, okay, well now I'm going to, it's, it, the questions are nonstop. The work is, is uh, consistent. The, what is expected of a professional at a accounting firm is very different in terms of, uh, I would say sort of the marketing entrepreneurial aspect is different. I think with, I think in David's experience, what was expected, I think at that level, I think when you make sort of managing director and, and looking at partnership at one of the big four, that there's an expectation that you're going to be bringing in a significant amount of revenue. So part, part of that involved necessarily involves a lot of marketing. I would say that's a that's different. I think at the senior manager level down to sort of a, just an entry level associate level where you're sort of, as you start out, it's a grind. You are start, you are really grinding and putting in tons of hours. I mean, Mariano can attest to that. So you, you can, Every, everyone's had that experience. Uh, I haven't had that experience sort of at that level, but I, I know, I know what it's, what it's like working with associates. It's a ton of hours, ton of work. As you sort of progress, there is more of an expectation that you're going to get out there and, and, you know, be more of a public face, be more client facing. Um, but it's different. It's different than a law firm. It's a much more of a leverage model, very much more highly leveraged than a law firm. In a law firm, you, you do have leverage, right? You have uh, partners that are generally supposed to be bringing in the work and, and sort of delegating to associates. But that's not always how it works, especially in smaller firms where associates are doing a lot of client facing work and partners are actually, you know, doing research on their own. And, and so there's definitely like a blurring of the boundaries between, you know, what, what's expected of a partner versus an associate at a law firm. The, those like demarcations and expectations, like D mentioned, there's actually, they're specifically set forth, you know, at, at the big four, you, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, there are sort of gray areas, but generally speaking, the, as the managing director and partner, you sort of expected to bring in the work. Every level down from that is much more, uh, you know, much more sort of uh, work associated with it and less client facing. So that's a, that's a big difference uh, for me. Yeah, D, you have a point? So an, another difference that I would note from having talked to a lot of attorneys who are tax lawyers at non-tax specific firms. So I'm a tax lawyer right now at a tax boutique. So there are six attorneys and all of us only do taxes. Um, but if you're a tax lawyer at a general firm, a big firm or a medium sized firm where there's a lot of other attorneys, my understanding is that even at the partner level, a lot of those tax lawyers have much less of a focus of bringing in work because they're in a, in a lot of ways a resource to the firm because taxes touch on so many areas. So tax issues can come up from the corporate department, from the employment law department, from other areas. So the a tax partner at a big firm is not necessarily as much of a rainmaker as you know an M&A corporate law partner. Um, and there's less of a focus of bringing all the work in. That's sort of my understanding. I think it depends. I, if I can jump in on that, I think I think it probably just it does depend on the firm too. Um, so I worked at an Amlaw 100 law firm um, doing tax work, and the, the work was very similar to the work that I was doing at um, 
at ENY. In fact, the, the same woman I mentioned earlier, who was the Washington National Tax Partner at ENY, she was at this law firm, and she's the one that brought me in there because we wanted to sort of recreate the practice we had at ENY. Um, and that practice was very much the same. So she was the rainmaker out trying to, to generate business. So I think it can, it can depend on the firm, really. Um, I've, I've not worked at uh, a, like a Goodwin or a firm like that to, to know. It, it may be a little bit different there, but I still do think um, at any level, there's got to be at least some degree of, of um, you know, marketing, rainmaking, bringing in work um, at the partner level. But I, but I do agree, it's, it's, it is going to be different because if you're working at a firm that's, say, maybe um, even at Pepper Hamilton, we had a private equity practice, a very good private equity practice. And so there were certain tax specialists that really dealt with all of those transactions. And, and they weren't, like Dee was saying, they weren't necessarily all doing the rainmaking. It was the PE you know, the private equity practice, the corporate practice that was doing the work and then using the tax folks to, to, to help on the tax side of the deal. So it can, it can depend for sure. So I think, I think the only uh, context of the sort of, you know, the, the, the purpose was to talk about four different, you know, contexts. They're working with the IRS, working in big four, working in a private law firm and working in-house. Um, so I thought maybe, Dave, you could take five minutes or so and just kind of talk about what your experience has been like at Kinsta. I know you started fairly recently, so maybe you could talk a little bit about what that's like. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it from two aspects. So I worked at Raytheon where I was senior tax counsel. Um, so, you know, a Fortune 100 company. Um, and so I was in-house tax counsel there. Um, and then where I am now, I'm actually CFO and general counsel. So tax is a piece of what I do, um, but it's a it's a... Um, a relatively small piece of what I do now. Um, but so just speaking to the Raytheon perspective, um, the way that we divided up responsibilities, we had a fairly decent sized tax practice in-house at Raytheon. I, I want to say maybe 30 people. Um, and we were split um, between sort of a compliance function and more of a consulting function. So we had a, a, a group of people, probably more than half, um, if I did the math, were focused on tax compliance. And um, doing tax returns, doing, um, I guess it's compliance and provision, I should say. So the financial accounting um, for uh, income taxes and, the, and that sort of stuff. Um, and then my, I was sort of, my group was sort of focused more on the consulting aspect and the planning. And so how, how do we do, how do we deal with subpart F and deferral and all that sort of stuff when you're a, a global organization? Um, and it was very different uh, being in-house than being at um, at Big Four or at a law firm. Um, the pace was different. It was a nice pace, I would say. It wasn't quite as as um, intense as it is at Big Four and law firms. Um, but uh, the, the opportunities to sort of branch out and do different things were, of course, much more limited because you, you have one one client, essentially, right? You're working for one company, and those are the facts that you're dealing with. Um, and so you're... Um, you don't have as many opportunities to sort of learn and expand and grow, I would say, um, in-house. Um, but there's there's good and bad to it. So I, I got to work with some phenomenal people. I got to work with, you know, former admirals and generals and all that sort of stuff to try and um, figure out ways to do things in a tax-efficient manner, um, business-related things. So you, you get really tied into, um, I guess you get 
broader exposure to how a business operates, right? Because you're dealing with treasury and you're dealing with finance and accounting and operations and that sort of stuff. So um, it's it's different. It's broader, um, but not from a tax perspective, just from a business perspective, which was nice. Um, and then I guess where I am now, again, tax is, I mean, I'm the only person that has any tax experience at the company, so I still handle taxes, but I also have outside advisors that I use for for a lot of it as well. Um, but it's um, it's given me the opportunity to sort of expand and grow and, and be responsible for finances for the company and be responsible for, 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 le for general legal matters. So I've been involved with things that are non completely non-tax related like contract negotiations with the UN for, 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 you know, hope helping them host one of their websites, hopefully. Um, and, you know, trying to figure out, is it okay if we host somebody who's selling a CBD oil product on our platform? And um, so not really tax related, um, but the, I guess the only reason I, I mention it at all is um, I encourage people to sort of leave their, um, leave their mind open as to what options are available to you. I, I, I wasn't looking for a CFO position but I had started my own international tax practice and it'd been very successful for about three years. And this was one of my clients um, and I had helped them with, with international tax restructuring and um, they really appreciated what I had done for them and reached out to me about, um, you know, looking for a CFO. And so I, I started sending them resumes and, and LinkedIn profiles for people. And they're like, how about you just do it? Um, and it, it was really a great opportunity for me. So, so I jumped at it. Um, and if I hadn't really been open-minded about it, it would have, would have passed me by. I, I love what I'm doing because I, I like challenges and I like to expand my skill set and, and learn new things. So it's been, it's been great, but the tax aspect, I mean, I guess to just to speak a little bit more to the tax aspects of it. I mean, I literally am responsible for everything tax related. So, you know, it could be a payroll tax issue, it could be a sales tax issue, it could be European VAT or UAE VAT, and literally any tax issue is, is, is something that I'm now responsible for. Um, and I've, throughout my career, I've had exposure to a lot of these things, but one of the things that you um, get at a big four is you, you're, you're really, or even at the law firm I was at, you are really specialized, right? And there are specialists that handle the state and local tax. And um, as an M&A lawyer, I got a lot of exposure to, to other areas because, you know, you're all working on a, on a transaction together. And so you're, you're hearing what the state and local tax folks are finding and putting in your due diligence report. And, and so you do get some exposure to it, um, which was great um, and helpful. And so I have some knowledge, but I have probably enough knowledge to be dangerous in a lot of areas. Um, and, and, but now I have to actually dig in and, and, and learn those areas. So it's, it's really been an interesting challenge for me. That's great, David. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's such a, you have such a diverse background. It's sort of interesting to see, you know, your career progression and your path. It's sort of an interesting, you know, an interesting model. And I think it's, um, it just shows the importance, I think of, of flexibility. I think it's sort of a theme we've been talking about today, just being open-minded to different opportunities. Um, you know, the importance of connections, like you didn't even anticipate that that was going to be, you know, you were just providing tax advice, but that, you know, your sort of diligence and help helping that client open the door for you. So that's, that's really important to keep in mind. So uh, Jenna, I thought we would uh, 
open it up a little bit. We have uh, more time, and I thought it'd be good to have some questions from the audience if there's anyone who, who wants to ask a question, you know, live as opposed to through the uh, Q&A format. Jenna, anyone? Um, let's see if I can enable this. Okay. So that they could ask. Yeah. One second. Thank you. While, while Jen is doing that, I think, I think one thing to kind of consider as we sort of, uh, you know, nearing the uh, end of our, our panel presentation is to think about, you know, folks who are considering a transition to tax law, like what are, what are some lasting pieces of, pieces of advice that we can, we can provide to those considering either transition to tax or sort of starting their career in tax, you know, so let's think about that a little bit. Um, maybe we'll quickly go around. Mariana, what, what do you think? If you have to provide one piece of advice to folks considering a transition, what would you say? I would say um, be, you know, willing to learn. Um, you you kind of have to work twice as hard as everyone else who's already in the field. Um, but I think it's just all about commitment and, um, you know, enthusiasm. In a lot of in a lot of cases, um, and you know it's not easy to get your foot in the door. So when you can get your foot in the door, you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of starting at a lower level than you currently you may be at. Um, but I think for people who are kind of just searching to get into tax right away um, without too much experience, um, you know get your hands around preparing turns maybe, um, start there maybe, um, get, uh, get your, get your, you know, tax return preparer information from the IRS and kind of, um, if you're trying to hang a shingle or something like that, then, um, you kind of want to just tread carefully, but, you know, um, start at a basic level, I guess. Thanks, Mariano. What do you think, Dee? What would you say is one sort of lasting piece of advice? I would say that if you're interested in getting into taxes, there's there's not really, I said to this to the panelists earlier, it's not really possible to just have one toe dipped in. It's a highly, highly technical area. And there's there's all sorts of skills that are required of a tax lawyer that are required of many different types of lawyers, reading, writing, research, um, analysis. but if you're interested in taxes, you need to just get into the nitty gritty of the technical knowledge as fast as you can. If you have the time or the resources to do an LLM or even just take a couple of classes, that would be a great place to start. Um, taxes have an internal logic that's consistent from area to area based on some basic, um, basic concepts of tax like basis. How is the basis tracking through various uh, transactions or how is the holding period? So 
So if you can take a couple classes where you start to understand like what are the important factors that come into every tax analysis, then it will be easier to teach yourself different technical areas because you understand the basic structure of how tax law works. And I think one other way, if you're interested in just trying out taxes to see if it's an area that interests you is I, I'm going to plug the VITA program. I'm a volunteer for VITA. Um, there's a two-day training that's free that they offer on the weekend, and you become an IRS certified tax preparer for individuals. That's a very, very basic level, but it does expose you to those basic concepts of tax. It exposes you to a tax return, um, reading people's financials. So if you're, if you're interested in just seeing maybe a tax for me, trying to find an, a volunteer opportunity, something like VITA, that has a little bit of training and then allows you to spend a limited number of hours might be a good way um, to get a clear idea before you start investing a lot of time because to become a real tax professional with the technical expertise, it's going to require a very large investment of your time and a commitment. <laughs> Yeah. I, Sorry. Go ahead, David. I, I, I think I would echo everything that was said um, by both Mariano and me and, and yourself. Um, it, it's if you think you want to do tax and um, you really have to you really have to want to do it um, because it, it is complex. It is challenging. It's it. it I think regardless of where you end up going, it, it, um, the learning curve is going to be steep. It's going to take a lot of work. To, to, to learn taxes. Um, and so you have to really want to do it to be willing to put in the effort to, to learn it. Um, I always, when I'm, whenever I'm interviewing somebody, I'm always looking for sort of intellectual curiosity um, and, and a real desire to, to do tax. I, I want to see some indication that the person has, has made it their goal to try and become a tax person typically. Um, and so you know, you can learn, anybody can learn it um, if somebody's intellectually curious. Um, and so I think that, I think, um, you know, if it's something that you want to do, try, like Dee said, try and find a way to, to get some experience um, and to be able to show somebody that you're putting an effort in to try and learn taxes. Um, coming in with no experience and no, no, nothing on your resume that shows that you've made an effort to, to, to learn taxes is going to be a big obstacle to, to getting a job. And don't be afraid to reach out to somebody and find a mentor. Um, there's a lot of people who want to help. I, I can't tell you how many times somebody's reached out to me on LinkedIn or whatever who thinks they might want to do tax, and I can I can talk to them and, and sort of give them my perspective on things and and maybe find somebody to introduce them to so that they can they can further that pursuit. Um, don't be afraid to ask. People, nothing's going to fall into your lap. You have to really work at it. I, I got into taxes you know my first career was doing something i didn't really want to do but I, I knew that it would it would help me get to the next level so you really have to go for it um, having a mentor will help and somebody who's going to pull for you um, is is immensely helpful so that's my perspective thank you dude and as i'm the moderator i'm going to uh sort of invoke the privilege to uh to cheat a little bit on this and, and basically give a few pieces of advice so I mean, I think the first consideration, um, you know, for practicing taxes, you know, thinking about should I get an LLM or not, you know, is it necessary for me to get an LLM? 
Um, it's hard for me to say because I chose, you know, the LLM path and I really, I strongly believe in that. Um, but I would say that a lot of firms who, uh, sort of especially the larger firms, and even mid-sized firms are willing to sort of sponsor or sort of pay for at least a portion of the tuition for an LLM program, you know, for associates that they, uh, that they support. So uh, just because you're taking a sort of an, uh, an associate position at a law firm doesn't mean you're sort of closing the door to an LLM program. So just sort of keep that in mind. If there's something, you know, secure, if you've got something through a summer associate position and you, you don't want to defer, then, you know, take it and, then, and see how the, you know, part-time, LM program uh, option might might pan out. That's, that's definitely an option and can certainly save a considerable amount of tuition. Um, if you do decide to go the LLM route, I would say, you know, really being, don't worry too much about making the wrong choice. Like I remember a lot of my classmates were solely focused in one area, whether it be sort of M&A or international tax or estate planning, you know, they, they would have their sort of paths laid out, like they knew exactly what classes they were going to take um, to get to that. And a lot of those folks were sort of aiming for the big four, like that was the goal. For me, I just was looking for a sort of general marketability. I wanted to sort of be a sort of tax generalist in a way. And that's okay too. Like you can end up in the same place, uh, you know, with a broad base of experience, or you can sort of start in one particular area and, and gear up for that one area and then end up uh, doing something a little bit broader. So it, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't matter necessarily exactly. It does matter what choices you make, but I would say that they, your, your path can be very unique and it doesn't necessarily mean that you are destined for one sort of path in tax law. You know, we're a community of, um, you know, practitioners in this area and it is kind of a small, when you're in it, you realize how small it is. I mean, there's a, a handful of folks in Boston. You think, oh, Boston, there's going to be a huge number of people. There is a huge number, but relatively speaking, in terms of folks who are, uh, you know, earnestly practicing tax, it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty small bar. So, um, and the other thing I'll say is that, you know, in terms of marketability and, and helping, you know, when you're if, looking at new opportunities, um, there are two things I would recommend. The first is, um, you know, uh, writing, like trying to get out and publishing an article. Um, you know, to me, that shows that initiative that, that David was talking about, you know, is this person interested in tax law? Well, if he or she has written something, you know, in tax notes on a particular uh, tax revision, now that's, that shows initiative, that shows interest. And there's, you can learn so much just by sort of digging in and, and you know, doing the background uh, prep that's required for an article like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, uh, in, in publications, really helping out to sort of build a build a resume, and also speaking events. I mean, those are also opportunities to uh, you know be comfortable speaking in public and to you know presenting yourself and to market yourself. These are all valuable skills to have. And as he mentioned, volunteer opportunities. There is so much work that you can do for either whether it be the Volunteer Lawyers Project, um, you know, the Vita program. Um, there. You know, there's a lawyer for a day program through the U.S. tax court. There's so much we can do to help. And uh, some of the most rewarding tax cases that I've done have been uh, on a pro bono basis. And so it's, a, it's another great way to sort of build, build your resume. If, you, if your firm can support you in that venture, I think it would be it's a, it's a great choice. There's also the, um, in the Boston area, there's also the low income taxpayer clinic through Harvard. 
um, which works with some Harvard Law students, um, and they have some pro bono cases that are pretty interesting, and I'm pretty sure that attorneys throughout the Boston area can get involved, and that is another great opportunity to take on a tax case with some support available. Yeah, I would, I would Boston I, Legal Service. Sorry, David. Go. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to echo what Dee had said. I've been involved with the Harvard Law School Federal Tax Clinic. Um, it's a great organization, and I think they're always looking to add attorneys to their pro bono um, counsel there. So that, that's another way that you could get some experience and do something that's actually really rewarding. You're helping people that, that are dealing with tax issues that we all know how complicated they are. Imagine if you just have absolutely no tax or legal background trying to deal with those issues yourself. Um, that is a good, a good way to get involved. Um, and I think the other thing is um, there are a lot of opportunities to get out and network. I'm not a natural networker, uh, but I've sort of become a networker because I started my own practice. And, and um, the more you do it, the easier it, it gets. But, you know, keep an eye out for law firms love to do free presentations. So sign up for them and go. And there's always a little cocktail reception where you can sit and talk to somebody and meet and make connections. And that turned into lots of clients for me just by being in casual conversation. So don't be afraid to get out there. Um, that's a good way to get exposure to, to people. There's also organizations like EFA, which is International Fiscal Association, which is just a bunch of international tax geeks really, but there's other organizations, TEI, different groups that you can join um, to just get out there and meet people. Um, and that's gonna probably be the biggest thing that you could do for yourself to, to help you know, get your name out there and, and learn people that can maybe help you get a job somewhere in tax. What about you, Mariana? Do you, do you see a lot of uh, pro se litigants in the tax court who need, need some assistance? Almost oh, oh, definitely. Um, a, a lot of the, what I do is kind of explaining the law to pro se people um, who represent themselves in tax court. Um, who may not otherwise have an opportunity to kind of understand, just understand what the nature of the problem is because they've been dealing with automated um, IRS kind of um, calls and things like that um, where, or automated, gener automatically generated notices that aren't exactly um, easy to understand if you just have no idea what you're looking at. Um, so I would say, you know, low income taxpayer clinics, um, are generally in need of people to help. Um, and you basically, you know, someone that needs tax help, right? I guarantee, you know, someone that needs tax help. So, um, if you kind of show your interest and show that you're, this is your focus, you're going to have people who need your help. So, I mean, that's not, <laughs> think about how many people there are in the United States, you know, there's a very small number of tax lawyers among that group, you know, probably 0.0001%. And so the demand is definitely there. You just have to show your interest, show your willingness to learn and show you can get results. Um, I would suggest a lot of lawyers come, a lot of people come out of law school think, oh, I gotta, I have to really, you know, lock down my social media, um, lock down my web presence because you know, prospective employers may be like digging through my social media and stuff like that. And they're wary of that. I, I take, I took the opposite route and, you know, you have to get yourself out there. If you haven't got on LinkedIn yet, you know, you have to get on LinkedIn. That's my, that's really, I should 
highly recommend getting on LinkedIn. I got IRS counsel job through LinkedIn. <laughs> so it's a combination of that and knowing people, but get on LinkedIn, get on Twitter, um, you know, get on Facebook, get on, you know, Instagram for whatever that's worth, you know, just, um, and then, you know, make sure you're showing yourself to be a good person, obviously, but you know, um, you definitely don't shy away from having a web presence and um, that just goes to the things you can start doing now um, where we may not be able to get out and attend these cocktail parties and, you know, um, other opportunity traditionally has the route. Um, get on LinkedIn immediately and set up a nice page for yourself. Start making calls um, and just kind of make sure everyone knows that what you're sitting in and kind of how you um, intend to distinguish yourself. Um, so don't be afraid to put your foot out there. And uh, that's kind of what I would recommend generally. And then just ask around people. Great. Yeah. I also uh, want to mention to the American Bar Association tax section meetings. Those are really uh, great resources, um, ways to meet some interesting people, influential people in different tax fields and uh, very informative content on, uh, you know, updates to tax law regs. It's, it's really, those are really uh, great to attend as well. Did you want to mention something? I just wanted to mention that, um, so LinkedIn is a really great resource. And if you're clear that you do taxes, number one, you will get a lot of recruiters asking you if you're interested in jobs that are for CPAs. And you just have to um, say no thank you and get used to the fact that you're going to get offered a bunch of CPA applications. Um, but my current job, I was made aware of the opportunity by a recruiter in the Boston area just because he found my profile. I was clear that I was interested in taxes. I had clearly stated what I was doing at KPMG and, and he sent me a description of the law firm where I am now that I didn't find on my own. So being clear what you're, about what you're interested in, it, obviously you still want to put yourself out there, but sometimes people will come to you and there is demand in the tax market. Sometimes the positions are very specific and they may or may not be a fit, but there certainly is some demand out there and there always will be because taxes are something that everybody has to deal with. Every company, every person, um, it is an area where there's a lot of work happening. So if you're interested, make sure that people know and they can find you. That's great. So let me just uh, check in with Jenna again to see if there's any, any questions. And actually, if, if anyone has a question, I think, I, I guess I would encourage you to use the little chat feature on the bottom of the screen so we can see uh, what questions there are. So I can, see, I can see everyone who's attending, but I can't uh, sort of see if, if you have your hand up or not. So it's a little bit difficult. But um, for anyone who has a question, you know, just go ahead and type the question in. Um, I don't know if Jenna, you're able to. I see there is one person that has their hand raised, Ada Call. Oh, I don't know how to unmute that person. Which, per which person is it? Because I have, I have them all listed. Uh, it was Ada Colomb. Uh, but right. now the hand went down, so maybe maybe it was a mistake. I don't know. All right, we'll take a look. Ada? 
she's muted. Then. Okay. She might be muted on her end. We got a question that popped up in the question and answer box says from Rachel Garcia, I was wondering what your opinion is on selecting an LLM program. Is there something we should look for in a particular program? Great question. I, I would say, I think it's a tough question. I think that there are most tax programs that you attend will sort of help nationally, but I do think that the region that you're interested in practicing is really an important consideration. I mean, I think that certain degrees will translate no matter where you go. For, the first one that comes to mind for me is NYU, uh, you know, that program or Georgetown or Florida. Yeah, I think those, I mean, I don't, there are probably others, but those are the three that uh, jump out at me as the sort of most prominent sort of national program. Um, but certainly if you're interested in practicing in Florida, like UF is, you know, would be, would be my first choice. If you're interested in practicing in New York, NYU would be my first choice. If you're interested in practicing in DC, Georgetown would be my first choice. Other than that, I would say that the degrees travel really well, but think about where you want to physically practice law. I think that's a huge consideration. Yeah, I think particularly in Boston, you know, obviously the BU LLM program is a fantastic program um, and the network that you would make by attending that program um, is lo local to Boston. It's probably going to be stronger than like my program, which was Villanova. You know, that had a good probably network in, in the Philadelphia area, but not so much nationally. Um, so that is some certainly a consideration. But like you said before, I mean, an NYU LLM or Georgetown LLM or, or Florida, they are going to be very well respected anywhere. Um, but I think in Boston, the BU LLM program, and there's probably others that I'm not thinking of at the moment that are very well respected in the area that are going to, in addition to being well respected, are going to create a network for you just from the people that are in the program and the professors that are very active in the community. That's right. I mean, the, the, the connection, like the local connections, if you're in Florida or New York, folks who are most likely to, to be interviewing on campus there are going to be like local law firms. You also see, you know, big four firms will interview there as well, no question. But in terms of law firms, if you're interested in a law firm, I would think that the, you know, the location of the LLM program is, um, is, is really important. I think so if you were, you know, getting a, a LLM from NYU and we're looking to sort of uh, travel with that, you know, practice in Boston or LA or wherever it is, it just requires more initiative on your part to sort of get out there and, you know, during your, um, you know, during your program to be, to be interviewing and traveling to uh, interview at Lawson. I have a couple notes about LLM and I want to answer Ada's question as well that she just gave. So with the BU and NYU programs, both of them have remote learning programs where you don't have to be in Boston or New York. But I would note that if you want to go to the BU program and you're located in Boston, they will not let you attend remotely. So I've known a number of Boston-based attorneys who wanted to do an evening program where they didn't have to go into a classroom and they chose NYU because they didn't want to be required to go to a classroom in Boston. However, I came out with the LLM from Boston and found that so many tax attorneys in the Boston area went to BU and it was immediately something that we could connect on. So it, it 
it has some value in terms of networking as well if you're interested in the specific area because it was just so easy to connect with anyone else who'd be in the BULM because we'd just immediately go, oh, do you remember Professor so-and-so? Oh, I still have his book. You know, he always made that stupid joke or I learned so much from this class. So um, the technical information is clearly important, but it will be the same everywhere. So in terms of the LLM creating networking opportunities for you, the location is important. Um, I wanted to quickly answer Ada's question that she just asked about the weekend training in tax return preparation. Um, so if anyone's interested in that, the program is called VITA, which is V-I-T-A. It's a national program. It's mostly in cities. Uh, and it, the IRS trains individuals in becoming a basic or advanced tax return preparer. And then you are committed to volunteering a certain number of hours during tax season to prepare tax returns for people who are low income to make sure that they get all of their credits for their child tax credits or earned, earned income tax credits. So it's VITA, VITA. If you just look up VITA volunteering, you'll find it very easily on the internet. Okay, so Ada, do you have a question? I think that was it. I think she typed it in. Oh, that was it. Okay, great. Yep. Okay, so that's good. All right. Well, I think we're we're right at the end of our time here. It's almost 1.30. So I want to thank everybody for participating. Uh, it's really been, you know, really helpful, I think, uh, to, you know, to folks considering a career in, ta in tax law. There's a lot of considerations. Um, you know, I'm, I'm open to any uh, follow-up questions that folks have. Uh, you can email me. I think Jenna can provide my uh, email address and um, you know I think we're all on on LinkedIn as well so if there are questions that come up you can feel free to message us on LinkedIn and, and ask whatever questions that you have but it's a it's a very rewarding career in, in a lot of different ways um, you know keeping open-minded keeping flexible uh, being diligent marketing forming close client connections these are all really important considerations. So I encourage you all to get out there and, and um, introduce yourself and try to network as much as possible. So with that, I think we'll, uh, we'll conclude. Thank you everybody for your time. And stay safe. Great. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Yeah. <laughs>